0: Time now for another Thrash Pie radio podcast. This is where I, Thrash Pie, your favorite guy, get to celebrate the pure rock years of Southern California's heavy metal flagship, KNAC-FM. Most of these pods, I get to talk to a lot of the guys who were um, certainly on the air or were the program directors and that kind of thing, and it's a pretty male-dominated business. I'm, uh, there's no kidding about it. It is a, a male-dominated business, uh, particularly... Um, from the people who, uh, you know, were the public face of the station. Now, except for God bless it, Tawn Mastery, who we lost some years ago, and there will be special podcasts around Tawn's time uh, at the radio station. But what we had behind the scenes, and who were really the backbone of the of the, of the pure rock existence, were some great, strong women. Who who ran things on a daily basis and who worked very very hard at keeping that entire station afloat? Um, you know they did all the bookwork. They did uh, well. They, they did you know a monstrous job in um, in in keeping us going there. And they had just as much interest in the music. And the whole image of the entire radio station as anybody in the audience or certainly any of us on the air. And there is no one uh, in my mind, no one woman, no one strong, pure rockin' woman who uh, personifies that any more than Veronica Wheeler.
1: I actually um, heard from my girlfriend, Stacy McDonald. She called me one day because we used to go to all the clubs. And she's like, oh, my God, they're playing ACDC on some station in Long Beach. you got to listen. So we both started listening to the station. She got a shift as a phone fox. And I don't know, a couple weeks, a month later, I got a shift as a phone fox. So I did that for, I want to say, about a month or so. And they were hiring for the receptionist position. So I got hired to be the receptionist. Did that for like a year. And then I was Gary's assistant for maybe two years, maybe three. I can't remember, really. There were so many positions. Then I worked with the sales staff, the sales assistant, and then promotions coordinator, and started doing trade. And that was the most fun job because I got to do trade for clients with, like, Hawaiian Airlines to take clients on Hawaii trips and different things like that. And we took bands down to Mexico, and we traded everything.
0: That's how you got that big uh, Mexico trip together. You did that. Yep, in Cabo. Yep. That's awesome. I, I see I I had no idea all of that happened. That you were the, the pivot man in all that stuff. I was gonna ask you, you know, how many different jobs did you have I and mean, you just went right into it. I yeah. talked to I talked to Jen Brooks, um you know, Jen Tucker now, Jen Brooks Tucker. And she did just exactly the same thing you did. Is she started rattling off the job she had? So she I did this, and then I did this, and then oh yeah, I was the yeah. She remembered a couple that she probably hadn't thought about. I
1: know. <laughs> like I said, I had to write it down because it was like every two years moving around. Just I mean, literally, I was in the right place at the right time to get a job as receptionist at your favorite radio station. I knew all the music. I'd been going to the clubs to see Motley Crue and. G and R and Poison and rat, all those bands for a couple of years.
0: Well, so how did the whole phone fox thing come about? Wait, who did you talk to to become a phone fox?
1: I interviewed with Kevin Stevens.
0: Oh wow! Of course. Yeah.
1: So he hired my girlfriend Stacy. She was like overnight, and then I got hired like after work or something, and just started doing that. And I literally, I think I was there maybe two, three weeks before they posted that sign for receptionist. So
0: it was yeah. a pretty volatile time in that in the whole you know after the launch a lot of people were leaving you know they were yes. just couldn't they couldn't handle it they, they yeah, thought it was you know. crazy the next thing was that i remember was that you were you were in charge of the phone foxes is that right
1: yes actually um, kevin stevens is the one that started you know hiring everyone and then when he left everyone was doing so many different jobs there really was no one to kind of coordinate people going to the events and helping out at all because we were doing so many promotions, like every single week we were doing something, either a grand opening or a concert or whatever it was. So I just told Gary, "I'll take over if you want."
0: And a girl, yeah. From there, yeah. What, what, what did you have them do? That's that's you know because they were all organized in terms of getting here and getting there, but when they answered the phones, were they taking some kind of research questions or what did they do with all that information?
1: We didn't usually do a lot of research. They basically. Took down requests for the jocks, and if we were giving away tickets, they obviously um, would help with that when the caller is called in, if it was caller number ten or whatever. But mainly the requests, and they were kind of the liaison to the jocks and giving them information, right? For, yeah, for when they were on the air.
0: Now, I remember talking to Ross, you know, when he was music director, and they yep. used those request sheets. You know, they studied them; they really did. So those were ve- that was a very important job, whether you guys knew it or not
1: yeah you really didn't count that as research, but you're right. We did keep track of a lot of that
0: yeah, that's beginning. how they figured what to add they were they knew they were listening to the you know the very core of the core of the audience but uh, they 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 took that uh, information very seriously, so you know the kids' think they were just in there goofing around they they no. well, it was very important very important work that they were doing there and so. they loved it. oh my and gosh, they would
1: do it for free anytime. And show up anywhere you need it. I mean, they were just extremely dedicated.
0: Well, I think that there needs to be something specifically done about them in any documentary film that's done because they were you know such a large part of it you know they seemed to be fairly enclosed little group you know they were all tight and they all hung together and they all did stuff away from the station aside from the promotions and everything you know there was us on the air then there was everybody in the building who hung out together and then but they were kind of a separate little unit they were like a you know guerrilla warfare group they were special forces sort of
1: absolutely at the especially at the events because we would get bombarded with requests for bumper stickers everywhere you went, in the van, anywhere. They were helping with everything. So I think it's important to recognize, especially since we had so many. Our staff at any given time, I think we had probably 20 to 30 people at least. Oh, yeah. And AISA took over after several years, probably did it for, so I think I had him for like six years, because I was there eight years altogether.
0: I know when you were doing that stuff, uh, boy, I'd I'd have to do a Saturday shift every now and then, and um, you'd have have them in the conference room, you know, and it was like, you know, here's how this is going to be. You guys (laughs) (laughs) get your asses together right now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, it's hard. I mean, you're not paying people. I mean, you know, the most they got was concert tickets or tickets to other events. But uh, honestly, I think they just wanted to be part of something big
0: any any great uh, little stories you'd like to tell or memories you have and specifically about anything at KNC anything
1: oh some of the first times in the early days when we used to have a lot of the bands come in the first time i met nicky six was right after i had the biggest crush on him ever like it was crazy he came in with Tommy Lee. Tommy Lee was in the kitchen, and he was showing off his tattoo on the side of his leg. So he literally pulled down his pants most of the way. And one of the girls got a picture. We must have made 100 copies of the, that picture. <laughs> yeah. It's, I still have a copy if you want one.
0: Oh, I'm sure. I'd love to have a copy of Tommy I'll Lee's butt. send but, it over yep. to you. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. No, it was great.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm, it was great. It, you could always count on old Tommy to drop, drop, drop trow anywhere. That's him. Not only on stage. He was in the kitchen at KNAC there, you know, the Jock Lounge, right next to the microwave. They got a nice picture of Tommy's butt and his new tattoo. Veronica Ibarra, at the time her maiden name is Ibarra. Her name now is Wheeler. Um, Gosh, she's she's a grown-up gal now and on to great, great success. I want to say she's with Metro in sales. I believe that's it. She has been wildly successful since the KNAC days, and it all started with her. Uh, becoming a KNAC phone fox, just a tremendous, tremendous, one of our tremendous uh, strong women that pretty much ran KNAC. And just for fun, what I've done is I've strung together the jobs, plural, that Veronica had. And if I count correctly, let's see what it is.
1: I got a shift as a phone fox. I got hired to be the receptionist. I was Gary's assistant. Then I worked with the sales staff and then promotions coordinator. Started doing trade.
0: All right, so that's it. So there's six. It ended up with her doing trade. So she was the one that put together those Cabo trips where everybody, I mean, you know, everybody could get and raise hell in Mexico for a couple of days. Now, in addition, not to be outdone. Our friend uh, Jennifer Brooks at the time, now Jennifer Tucker, um, also very successful with very meager beginnings. First of all, she was at Cal State Long Beach as well um, and was an intern there and then got a job at, uh, at K&AC. And she worked with the, you know, in the finance end of it. She, it was something like that. I can't recall to be quite exact. Um, but she uh, told the great story about Klaus Meine calling up when she, in one of her jobs, was filling in for the receptionist at the front so the receptionist could actually go get a you know a sandwich across the street. And Klaus Meine calls and says, I want to talk to Trasha. And she did this wonderful accent for us. Jen also had a number of jobs.
1: I started as a sales assistant. Then I was an accounting assistant with Denise Reese, and then I became the accounts manager. In that role I was backup traffic. And then I also got added on a public service director and publicity director. Oh my God. <laughs> and that's when like I you know, I was like the backup talk show producer for Mike and walked, you know, spinal tap into the booth.
0: Well, there's a perk. You get to you get to walk spinal tap anywhere. That that's a perk. But so I counted seven for Jen, six for Veronica. There's two women Thirteen jobs. Thirteen jobs and probably four or five of those jobs all happening at the same time. So not to be outdone. uh, And in terms of those those two women, we had wonderful, strong women who ran the place. They were the backbone of the whole place. Anne-Marie Blood, who is now Anne-Marie Blood Brunel. Uh, Julie Thorne, who still looks 18. And I hate her guts for that. Uh, Michelle Kaysen. Um, her maiden name escape or excuse me, married name escapes me at the moment. She's a businesswoman in her own right up in Central California. Tina Herrera, I hear from, but I've lost track of what she's doing. Uh, Denise Reese, also one of the wild women of K and E. C. She was, <laughs> she was a rocker, great, great love person, lovely, lovely, lovely gal. Jen Brooks there now, as she is, uh, Jen Brooks Tucker. She is uh, a mucky muck at Legendary Television, which is a new division of uh, Legendary uh, Pictures, which you probably see their big logo and front of a lot of the movies when you go to the theater there. Not to be uh, outdone, Aisa Juarez, she was the receptionist, um, geez, for years. She used to, God bless her, talk to my mom for 20 minutes to an hour, and I know that just drove her nuts. She was probably going to go kill herself after that, but she spoke to my mom lovingly uh, for, you know, off and on for years, and Aisa is one of the preeminent, premier uh, promotion directors in radio in this country today. She's at KROQ right here in Los Angeles. She's been there for, oh, jeez, 10, 15 years. I don't know how long. But, um, you know, she's the shit, brother. She really is. She's got that going on. So never let it be said that um, our KNAC Pure Rock Women I mean, they had it going on. We had a bunch of good, strong women who who were the backbone of that radio station, and God bless them. They're all still rockers, right, Veronica? I still take my kids to the the rock and roll shows. Is that a girl? Absolutely. <laughs> Kiss, Def Leppard. Yeah. Oh. We could,
1: my three boys know all of the music, all of it.
0: <laughs> That's incredible, isn't it? Yep. See, so so there we are. And in fact, uh, she was at Irvine Meadows, uh, which we just lost here recently. <laughs> Um, a, a summer ago when uh, most of the KNAC staff, that is, air staff, assembled down at Irvine Meadows, went on stage at the uh, Cat House thing, and God bless them, Veronica, Julie, and a number of them were out there in the audience, and we have those pictures, you know, to prove that we were there. <laughs> All right. Uh, many, many thanks to everyone who participates in this. Um, In the Thrash Pie Radio podcast, I'll have more insight uh, into the pure rock years of KNAC-FM in the very near future, in a future podcast and so forth. In the meantime, your comments and correspondence of any kind are welcome at thrashpieradio at gmail.com. Give us a like and a share. Keep your eye on your Facebook page for the next Thrash Pie Radio podcast.